You're listening to Deliberate Living, the podcast that inspires, empowers, and encourages listeners to live life more authentically. My name is Holly Priestley, and I'm a nomad, coach, creator, and outdoors woman. And I'm Beers, a vagabond, joy artist, permissionary, and story breaker. We explore different ways people choose to ditch the prescribed life we've all been sold and live on their terms. Finding freedom and happiness however they choose. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Deliberate Living Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Holly Priestley. And I'm Nathan Beers. And today we have Willow Rain of Wilder Woven. And I don't know about you guys, if anybody has been following my personal Instagram for a while, I have had a girl crush on Willow Rain for um, a long time. She And I have so much of her jewelry in my van. Like I think I have more pieces from you than I have from anybody else. And so I'm so excited to have this conversation, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Um, Willow has been <laughs> living in her van um, for how long? How long have you been in there now? Um, I have been in my van for just about a year. Okay, about a year, and her van is a lot like mine, which I think also draws me to her lifestyle. Um, and she has a really just a beautiful aesthetic and a wonderful story that I'm so excited to hear more about. And um, yeah, Beers was talking before we started recording that, you know, he has so many questions about her DIY van. And I hope that uh, you guys listening, if you don't already know who she is, um, are in love with her as much as we are by the end of the episode. But if you do know who she is, maybe you'll get some more uh, insight into how she like makes this whole beautiful, wonderful, adventurous life work for her. And and, and to give a little bit of a preview, we'll get there. But a, there's a lot of DIY vans, uh, a lot of DIY vans. Uh, Holly and I have both lived in DI- our own DIY vans. Willow started off with a short roof van. And she now has a high roof van, and that part was DIY. And Wild. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm I'm so excited to 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 get to that story. Um, but uh, yeah, Willow, go ahead and tell us a little bit about how you got started uh, taking those steps to to live a mobile lifestyle. Um, yeah, so this is actually not my first time living in a van. Um, I actually lived in a van when I was a little girl, um, like an infant. I don't even remember it. Um, the only story I have really been told is that I broke the tape player because I stuffed tofu, um, into the the tape player. (laughs) That is the cutest. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, and then... Um, in third grade, I have a very vivid memory of like sitting on the like the classroom carpet and um, spinning around like a globe and and speaking with this girl, this friend of mine at the time, about how we were going to build out a school bus and we were going to drive to the southernmost point of the Americas and um, live in our built out school bus. Um, I actually have journals of it, um, like drawings and like floor plans and layouts. Um, all the way, yeah third grade. Um, and then it was just always a dream of mine. I always wanted to live in a van and, um, be mobile, but I always prioritized, um, international travel. So for years, um, I did like seasonal work. I would work seasonally for a couple of months and then I would go and I would travel for a few months. Um, 
And, but I always knew that I was going to end up in the van just one day. And the pandemic was kind of that like push, Mm. um, essentially like at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, okay, this is time for me to like get a big kid job and settle down and get an apartment (laughs) and like do life the way society wants me to live. Um, and I moved to Durango, Colorado. I got a studio. I got a little kitty cat. Um, I got what I felt like was a big kid job. It was a year long commitment and not a three month commitment to a job, which was really scary. That's a thing. Um, (laughs) so, um, yeah, but then I quickly realized that I was just like really unhappy. I didn't I didn't totally I didn't totally love being still and stable at home and home just wasn't really like long term wasn't a really big option for me or a great option for me. So I was like, well, this is a great time for me to just get into to get into the van. So um I knew I wanted an Astro van because they had four wheel drive and people just rave about Chevys and their lifespan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I actually just bought, I was in Portland, Oregon at the time and the market there is just absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, and Especially it's hard to find. Everything's really expensive. Yep. And so I actually bought the first car that I test drove. Um, I didn't even lay in the back of it. And I was just like, I'm going to get this. This is it. This is the van. I'm just going to buy it. So I bought it with, yeah, without even laying in the back. And after oh I God. bought it, I was like, oh, wow, I actually don't fit in this van. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. This is much smaller than I thought. Um, but I had already sold my car. I was stuck with it. And, um, yeah, so I built it out. In about, I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> I built it out um, in about a month. I just worked like all day, every day. Um, I did it all myself with, I think, like a circular saw, a hand saw, and that's kind of it, actually. I'm in a screwdriver. <laughs> um, so I built it out in like a month, and then I got on the road um, January 1st. So I've been in the van just under a year. Um, and then I was doing some farm work for a couple of months and that's actually how I was able to save for like my East coast trip. I just worked like 70 to hundred hour weeks and just saved as much money as I could. Um, yeah, I had like no money in my bank account when I left in the van. I was like, it's fine. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to go stay with my friends in California. I'm going to go do some work exchange on a farm somewhere. It's going to be fine. I'm going to figure it out. Um, and then I ended up getting this job, which was really cool. Um, and then I started setting out to the East coast and I got to, I think I was in Taos, New Mexico at the time and it was really windy. It was like super rainy. I couldn't do any of my work outside. And, um, then I got a phone call asking, um, if I could go down to Texas and go stay with my grandparents and help out with my grandmother for a little bit. And, that's when I decided to cut the big hole in my roof and add the extension to, um, to the van. So that's the long story on how I got to kind of where I'm at um, today. That's a lot. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> the I uh, there's oh there's so much in there. So you did your parents live in a van on the road? Uh, like, were you in that for much of your childhood or? Yeah. So my mom was a big deadhead. Um, 
she was like a big traveler um and nomad and so we it we lived in the van I actually don't know how long um but we lived like part-time on a farm on the coast of like Oregon and then part-time in Eugene and then part-time in the van and then growing up like as a little girl we um we did a lot of road trips. So every summer we do like a road trip to a national park and we would, we would sleep in the car. We would sleep in the van and we would, we didn't live in it at the time, but we always had a van or a car that we could sleep in. Um, and yeah, we'd pick up hitchhikers and we'd go, we'd sleep on like the docks, um, and like fall asleep to the, the otters, um, <laughs> making sounds. Or we'd wake up like soaking wet cause we left a ta- towel in the window and the water soaked through and um yeah so and then as I got older my mom we started doing like more international trips and like backpacking and stuff so she was definitely always a traveler and always prioritized like traveling and I really got to watch like different um ways to and learn different ways to travel affordably um and comfortably growing up throughout my childhood yeah she really instilled so much of that in you that's amazing uh, you're only the second person I've met who lived in a vehicle as a child and is now as an adult doing mm-hmm. doing the same thing. It's so, so cool. Yeah, I feel very fortunate. Um, I, I do for sure. So how did you get into silversmithing to kind of pivot directions? Because I feel like so much of your life now is like living in a van and making jewelry how did you get into the jewelry part yeah this is like everyone's favorite question and I'm still trying to figure out how to answer it because perfect try again don't totally know myself (laughs) um art has always been a huge part of my life I always went to art school I always um it was like therapy for me it was just I was always creating I was always learning how to do a new craft or um learn a new skill Um, I did ceramics for years. That was like my, one of my really big passions, um, was, was getting, yeah, my hands dirty in the clay. And, um, I loved the unpredictability of it where you just, you can't get attached to a piece until it comes out of the kiln and it's, you know, it's all fired up and, and glazed. Um, and that is, it's sort of similar with, with silver, um, you know, I can't get attached to a piece until it's it's polished and, and it's ready to go because I could melt it. I could accidentally, I've accidentally cut wires or um, just messed up a piece. So I really love the unpredictability of it. Um, and yeah, I guess when I moved into the van, I was like, well, I can't do, I can't do ceramics anymore because that's really hard to, to yeah. you know, bring these large pieces of clay with you everywhere and try to find places to fire them. And I just, I saw a ring one day that was really, it was a beautiful piece of turquoise. Um, and it was like $300 or something. And I was like, I can't afford that, but I could make that. (laughs) Um, and then I just started looking at like other pieces of silver and, um, and I just kept getting like more and more excited about, just like working with these beautiful stones and the, like all the steps of working with like a torch and a file and hammering things out and hand sawing things and just all the steps. And, um, so yeah, I just, 
I don't know. I just went, I drove to town one day. Um, I went to a tiny little bead store and I asked the woman to just give me what I needed to use to, um, to make just like a simple ring. Um, and I sat down, I watched a few YouTube videos. I sat down with my torch in my hand and I just was like, I'm going to figure this out. Um, and I figured it out and now here I am. (laughs) I think that that, that quote, like, I can't afford that, but I can make it or the, I want this thing. I'm going to figure out how to make it. I mean, that Mm -hmm. seems like a common thread throughout a lot of your life. And I know that that's a common thread throughout a lot of like road people or um, artists or self-employed people's lives. We're just like, I don't know how to do the thing that I want to do, but I know that I have to do it. And so I'm going to figure out how to do it. And I think that that is a really amazing worthwhile skill mindset whatever um to cultivate and it sounds like you've been doing that forever (laughs) yeah I think if like if I had a superpower this would be my superpower is I'm able to like look at able to look at a place I want to go or a skill I want to learn and just say I can do that and maybe I don't always do it as like comfortably as I might wish. Um, <laughs> but I managed to, I managed to, to make it happen um, for myself. And so that is something that I'm, I've realized recently that I'm really good at. And I'm really thankful to have that um, motivation to, to do, yeah. to do these things that I love. So. Yeah. I think that's mm. awesome. <laughs> and and I love how you figured out how you adapted the things that you created for your lifestyle. Like I've seen that you have like this wooden crate that all of your silversmithing supplies yeah. fit in this one wooden crate versus if you're doing ceramics, like you said, like you've got these large blocks of clay, uh, you might ha- want to have a wheel, you need to find a place where you can, uh, a kiln where you can uh, bake them, and like, what, you mentioned a torch, I don't really know much about silversmithing, but what, what temperature, do you actually like melt the silver completely, or do you just warm it up to be able to shape it and mold it, or uh, how, how does that work with uh, like compact space? Yeah, so I have a little handheld torch. It's about like this, this big. Um, so it's and it's similar to what you would use to essentially make like, like creme brulee. Creme brulee. Um, okay. Yeah, and my silver has to get up to. I'm working with like smaller pieces, um, so silver has to get up to about like twelve to fifteen hundred degrees in order for the solder to flow, and the solder is what connects the silver pieces together um, and and shapes them. Okay. Um, yeah. And actually a lot of, I've had a handful of silversmiths reach out to me, um, and ask me like, how do you do this in, in your van? Cause there's so many like huge tools. You have to have this, like a lot of people just have these huge, just huge tools that they use. Um, and I've just found a way to do it without all of these power tools and to just use handheld tools. Um, so I'm not like your stereotypical silversmith. Right. You didn't go from a large studio with all yeah. of this large equipment. You mm-hmm. took it on when you knew that you only had very limited space to work with. And so you've yeah. learned, it sounds like, how to do all the things that you need to do with 
much smaller compact tools. Uh, that's or fewer tools too. That's a big thing. Tools. I just okay. don't yeah. use very. I just don't use very many tools. Um, yeah. I, I mean, you built your van with a circular saw, a drill, and a handsaw. So, oh my God. yeah, you clearly don't don't need much. No, you get creative. And, I mean, so much of that is, like, you know, we all know living small, things have to have multiple uses. You got to, like, get creative with how you build things, with how you store things, with how everything happens. Um, and so, like, you know, in my van, I have certain craft supplies that – are a non-negotiable and I will make space for them and I will have less of something else. Um, and beers, I think has the biggest closet of anybody who lives in a tiny space. <laughs> like he just, he really prioritizes his fashion and he is a very fashionable guy. And I am just like, I don't need that much clothes. Um, well, uh, how do you those are my two biggest challenges, clothes and okay. art supplies. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask. Like, what do you prioritize? It sounds like both of those things, but maybe not other things. Maybe your kitchen is more minimal. Who knows? Yeah. I think about 80% of the van is art supplies. Um, (laughs) And I'm actually running out of room um, in the van for art supplies. (laughs) So to bring these two different paths together, when you added this extension onto your roof, did you add... Was it just for headspace or did you add additional storage uh, and shelving and also like how (laughs) did you do that with the circular saw and a hand drill as well or Um, no. So I had um, I had more tools and I also had a covered space, which was really great. Um, My grandparents live like right next door to my great uncle um, and he's a carpenter. And although he didn't help me with the build, he um, he provided me with all of the tools that I needed. So I actually had a bunch more tools. I had a jigsaw, I had um, a table saw, and a few more tools that I don't even know the names to. Um, so I had a bunch of access to tools when I built out the roof. Um, it is... It's just headspace. There's a little, like, little storage cubbies um, bordering, like at the bottom of where the box meets the, um, the, like the van. Um, but I didn't add much more storage space, but the way that I re so I rebuilt, so I gutted the interior again, like three months after spending an entire month building out the van the first time. I mean, why Um, not? I gutted it. (laughs) (laughs) And then, um, yeah, and then I redid the whole, like, floor plan, so I have, like, a pull-out bed and then cabinets on the side. So I built it out, like, the um, floor space so I would have more um, more storage space than before. But I didn't add any okay. more to, like, the roof um, because I didn't want it to be top-heavy. I still wanted it to be really light when mm. I drive um, and take turns. Right. Um, yeah, and then I guess as far as how I did it, Um, basically I took an angle grinder and I just cut a big hole in the roof. Um, and then I built about cutting holes for vent fans and that's like a 13 by 13 inch, like, and you cut the entire roof off. You're like, you know what? The vent fan ain't nothing. I'm gonna make the whole roof go away. Well, you know, what's really funny is I'm like terrified to put in a vent fan, but I wasn't like terrified to cut the hole in the roof. (laughs) Wait, wait a second. That's so backwards. Wait, like, you're, you're, 
you're terrified to put an event fan in this wooden box that you put. Uh, I didn't have a vent fan in before, and I didn't do it because I was just like too scared to cut a hole in the roof. And so then you just cut the whole roof off because cut a huge hole in the roof, and I added a box. And then I still don't have a vent fan because I was still too scared to put a vent fan. <laughs> but I have porthole windows on the side, so my portholes they open up, so I get like airflow that comes. Get some ventilation. I have like a little fan that goes into the windows, and I haven't had an issue with it. Um, when I cook, I open up the like, the windows and the doors, so it just like everything kind of airs out. Um, and yeah, so far I haven't had a problem. That's so, hilarious. Yeah. That's so wow. Um, well, yeah. I want to know about like your experience as a solo woman on the road. What are some of the biggest challenges that you've faced? And like, have you had any major fears that you've had to get over, or any situations that were like? terrifying that you had to get over like so many people especially women especially solo women see this kind of lifestyle and and they're afraid just to look at it like they're afraid just to think about it yeah. um, and yet you've been doing it for a year and you've been traveling all over the country and so I, I'd like to hear more about that experience yeah um well, I've been, I've been traveling all over the world for about six years by myself. Um, a lot of my international trips are just like, actually, living in the van feels really easy for me because um, I've, I've purchased like one-way tickets and just hopped onto planes without any plans of where I'm going and what I'm doing, and I just kind of like figure it out with my backpack on my back. Um, so the van was, was fairly easy um, for me. Decision fatigue, I think, is a really is really challenging for me. Just being alone all the time and making decisions yeah. is really challenging. Um, just constantly, where am I going to sleep? What am I going to make for dinner tonight? What's my my day going to look like? Just yeah. always being in a new place and trying to figure out like what I'm, yeah, what what the next move is. Um, that can be kind of the biggest challenge for me. Um, a lot of people say loneliness, but, and, and it, that is kind of tricky sometimes, but I think that I've grown to really love spending time with myself and I have grown to really love spending time with my thoughts because that's when the most growth I think happens when you sit with yourself and, and listen to, you know, what your body needs and your emotions. And, um, yeah, I, I also have some PTSD as well. So moving into the van was kind of scary for me. Um, and I actually wasn't sure if it was something that I was going to be able to do very long term. And um, so a lot of people are always like, you're so brave. I'm not very brave. I'm just really, I'm, I think I'm smart. I listen to my intuition. If I show up somewhere and I don't feel really good about the place, then I'll get up and um, I'll move along. Um, yeah, I think also in life, we just, you never know what's going to happen. Um, I've been in a lot of really wonderful, safe places and have had some really awful things happen to me, but I've also been in some really scary situations that most people would warn you about. And, and I've, it's turned out to be perfectly fine and some of my most favorite memories and stories to share. So um, life is just so unpredictable. Anything can happen at any time. And I think keeping yourself from doing something you've always wanted to do just because you're scared of it um, 
it's silly because you just, you have no idea what could happen. It could be the most amazing experience of your life or yeah, maybe it could be one of the most scary things you've ever done, but um, you never know until you try. So yeah. <laughs> I love that you keep trying uh, over and over again in so many different ways. It's, ah, it's beautiful. Uh, and then you, you mentioned like, you don't really know what situations are going to be, what scenarios are, are, are going to be like. And then you have these magical moments and magical encounters uh, like you were describing before we started recording where you, you recently met, uh, met a woman and her daughter and like are and you're now living on their farm and like, like uh, that's those, that's the type of, of phenomenal, unexpected, like you can't, you can't plan for that. Uh, can, can you, can you share, are you comfortable sharing a little bit about that experience? Yeah, I think just overall, my favorite part about my travels, um, and especially being in the van are the people that I've met. Um, I've met these two older gentlemen like in the forest and they cooked me fresh salmon they caught in rainbow chard from their Mm. garden. And (laughs) (laughs) I have spent so many like beautiful evenings and shared so many campfires with people that I wouldn't normally have interacted with in, in my daily, you know, nine to five life. Um, and then when I was in, I was driving through West Virginia and I was in a little food co-op and I met um, a mother and a daughter who live on a farm in Charlottesville and they had offered to let me come and stay with them on their property. So I went and I stayed with them for a few days, um, fell in love with them, knew I was going to come back and then continued my trip up to Maine before it got too cold. And then came back down to come and spend just another night or two with them. And then they offered um, a work exchange opportunity for me to come and, and live with them on their farm. So right now I'm actually taking a little bit of a break from being in the van um, so I can get involved with holiday markets. Um, and yeah, it's also just, it's working. It's just working really well. There's such wonderful women, they're herbalists. So they have lots of incredible like knowledge to share um, about plants and their medicinal uses. Um, they're building a tiny house in the property right now. So they are filling, um, the walls with insulation, um, from sheep wool from their sheep on the property. So that's been really cool to get to watch that process, um, and that project. Um, it's really interesting too, to kind of get to see two different ways of building. Like they've been working on this project for an entire year and it's very well thought out and planned and it looks it, it's it's so well put together. The corners meet, you know, perfectly, and and then you've got my van where it's like everything is a little bit uneven, and it was just kind of like thrown together without any idea what I was doing. And it's so it's cool to yeah. get to, to see two different um, ways of building and creating. Um, yeah, so now I'm here. I'm on the farm. Um, I'm I'm cozied up in a warm bedroom for for the winter. Um, and get to hang out and snuggle with sheep and watch the deer. Um, so it's a little bit of a different life right now. (laughs) It sounds like a dream. It sounds perfect. (laughs) There's a little white, like albino, like deer that comes through the property. And it really is like a dream. There's hawks flying and it's really cool. Uh, 
That's amazing. Um, when you first started making jewelry, you started making it for yourself. Like, I really like that turquoise ring, but I'm not, I don't have $300 to spend on it. I'm going to go buy the materials and make it myself. And now you're doing markets, the holiday markets, which is a, a great scene to be in. Um, what was that like transition like going from making jewelry for yourself to making jewelry to sell? And, you know, has that been challenging like emotionally, because sometimes making things yourself, you put your soul into them and then you try and go sell part of it. And like, it just feels a little weird. Has that been easy for you? Have you had practice with that before? Um, no, I haven't had practice with it before. Um, it was fairly easy. It's been really interesting, um, to do the markets. I actually prefer the in-person markets than I do online sales. Um, and the in-person markets have been really wonderful to get to see like the different um, age ranges of people that really appreciate my work yeah. um, and like, and different people that try on my work that I wouldn't have never imagined to, you know, be interested in my style and they put it on and they just look absolutely fabulous. Um, so that for me is really fun to get to kind of meet, meet the people who um, are in this community um, and I was actually traveling through New England, so like Maine and Vermont and New York, and I did markets all through there, and then also in Asheville, North Carolina. So getting, it was a great way to meet the community, um, and then also really great learning experience of like what age groups are really interested in my work, um, and what styles people are really into. And it's been really interesting, too, because I'll create a piece that I just absolutely love. And I'm like, oh, this is good. Someone's going to snatch this up in seconds. And then I'll create something that I'm kind of like, meh. And that ends up getting snatched up in seconds. And these pieces that I totally love and thought someone was going to take right away sit on my table for quite some time. Um, mm. And that, to me, was a little bit, like, disheartening at first. I was like, oh, like, it must not love it as much as, like, I love it. But um, I've learned that the right person will connect with my work. And that's when the project is officially done. That's when the piece is finalized, when it finds its home and the person to truly love it. And then I just get to wear my work longer. And that's really cool. So <laughs> Can't hurt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so on, on your current journey, as you go, are you planning your route based upon markets that you know you're going to be working at or are you just following where your heart tells you and then you find the markets to to set up at how, how does that work yeah I'm still kind of trying to figure out what works for me um and also I'm in just an interesting transitional period of trying to figure out what's next but I feel like I'm always in that weird transitional period trying to figure out what's next um, I think come summertime, I would like to start looking into like festivals and bigger events that I really want to go to and start um, finding markets that work with the um, places that I want to go to. Um, but I think I will also continue to do what I did before, where I just look for markets in that state and go to those little towns that have markets and events I found that to be really fun. It's taken me to places that I would have never driven through or I would have never spent time in. Um, yes. And then I'm always surprised by the community of people that are there. So 
um, not not entirely sure what I will be doing moving forward, but um, I will. Still has be it generally been? Has it generally been easy when you get to a town if they have a market to just find the person you need to ask if you can set up or? Um, so I do my research beforehand. Um, I spend okay. some time just looking, searching through Facebook events. Um, and um, there's mm. like a specific website, I can't remember the name of, that I really like to use. And they post um, by state kind of the markets that are happening. Um, sometimes I'll look into like first Fridays or last Thursdays in, okay. in towns that I'm really interested in going to that I know I'm going to be there. So I always do my research beforehand and then I always email people or, um, or call people before I arrive. Um, I don't think I've ever actually shown up somewhere and then just went up to them and asked if I could join their market. Gotcha. Um, cause usually, usually they want to want some communication like beforehand before you right. arrive. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So you're at this wonderful, magical fairyland of a farm right now. And it sounds like you're going to be there for the winter. And then maybe you'll be moving on next spring, summer. Is that kind of as far as you can see into the future? Yeah. Um, I might even be moving on in January. I haven't, I haven't figured it out yet. Um, as you know, I'm doing a train trip. So I'm doing a cross country train trip from Charlottesville, Virginia, um, over to, to Portland. I'm taking like the, I'm going to DC to Chicago and then up through like Montana, um, and Washington. And then I'm going to take the train back home as well. So I'll take it down to Sacramento and then, um, through like Nevada um, Colorado, Utah, um, and then back up to Chicago and back down to Charlottesville. So that's what I'm doing in January. And I haven't, I have not yet decided if I'm going to continue my van ventures and go somewhere warm, um, or if I will stick it out and hang out here through the winter time. And then next summer, I would really love to go back up to Maine, or I would love to go back to Alaska, um, depending mm. on kind of where the world is at. Um, yeah. So, but you never know with me. I, you know, just <laughs> two months ago, I was coming back to the, to the West coast and now I'm here. So, um, I never really know, um, what I'm going to be doing until I'm driving and just doing it. So <laughs> I feel that that's a great place that. to live. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, Willow, do you have any advice that you would give to maybe younger you or like somebody who might want to do what you're doing, but is nervous about doing it? What kind of advice would you give to somebody? I think again, life is just so unexpected. We have absolutely no control, um, how things work out in life. The only thing we have control over is the way we respond to situations. Um, so yeah, life is so unexpected. You have no idea what could happen. So just, just do it. Um, take the risk and just do it because you'll never know if, if you don't. Um, and it all works out. Sometimes we have to go through some really scary moments in life to get to where we are today. Sometimes things have to fall apart to get to where we are and that's okay. Um, you're allowed to freak out and feel those emotions and um, be upset and hurt by them, but you're also allowed to then move on and know that like, this is going to lead you to something greater in the future. Um, and I'm, I'm still kind of learning that, uh, to just 
stress a little bit less and just appreciate the current, the, the present and the current moment and, and know that it all just works out, even if it doesn't feel like it is right now. Um, it always does. I love that. That's so sweet and That's beautiful. And <laughs> like hard to do. It's like hard to let go of hold really tightly to how you think things are supposed to work out. They are working out. They're just not, maybe not working out in the way you thought they would. And that's okay. Yeah. And the way things often have to fall apart uh, to, to then get remade even more beautiful. That's, uh, that's a challenging truth to accept. And yet when we can embrace that, oh, there's so much, so much that can come. And I think honestly, some of my favorite memories and times of my life, um, the reason I was able to get there and do those things was because something prior to that, like just totally crumbled and, and didn't work out the way that I, I envisioned it to work out. And at the time I didn't know that that was for the best, but now looking back at it and looking at all the events that led up to that beautiful moment in memory and time. Um, yeah. That, that thing, that life moment did have to crumble um, to lead me there. And that's, that's okay. Um, it was, it was worth it in the end. I think even just sitting here today, it's, it's all like, it's all worth it in the end. Um, yeah. Ah, that's so nice. Willow, where can people come find you online? If they want to follow what you're doing, if they want to see your jewelry, if they want to see your amazing DIY high top van situation, um, how can people come find you? Um, yeah, I'm on Instagram um, at wilderwoven, W-O-V-E-N. Um, and then my website is wilder-woven.com. Cool. And I will link to those in the show notes as well. well this has been an absolute pleasure talking with you, Willow. Uh, I am excited for your road trip and excited to see on the interwebs what unfolds for you next. Yay. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. This was so wonderful to, um, to, to meet you beers and Holly to catch up with you. So thank yeah. you so much. Thank you so much for being a part of it. I have been wanting to have you on the show for a very long time. And then, yeah, I'm glad that we were finally able to make it happen. And I want to thank everybody who is here listening or watching, um, this episode and uh, if this is your first episode, awesome, welcome, happy to have you. Go ahead and subscribe so that you can listen or watch all the other episodes as well. Um, if you liked this episode and got something value out of it, um, go ahead, give it a thumbs up or a five stars, whatever it is on the platform that you're consuming it on, because that is what helps us get seen by the algorithms. Um, we also have uh, a podcast-specific Instagram and a podcast-specific Patreon that you can come join and help support the show and offset some of the costs that go into producing it every week. Um, and yeah, we couldn't do the show without the audience. And so I'm really just grateful for everybody who's here for that. So um, thank you again to Willow for being a part of the show. Thank you to Beers <laughs> and your super cool Love being car. here. <laughs> And uh, yeah, tune in next week for another excellent episode. Bye.